0: And Welcome to episode 8 of this uh, Growth Strategist chat series. I'm delighted to be joined uh, this time by Henry Wang. Henry, how are you? Hi, Simon. Nice meeting you again virtually. And you. Yeah, We last met in London in the club about a year and a half ago. So this very different circumstances, very different times. But your career has just been, I mean, it's just an amazing career. And, and every time I look at your profile, you're adding new things. And I'll go through... The headline, so you're an international business and climate change expert, keynote speaker, you've written many books. Uh, Some of them are behind you and we'll talk about those, but I know you've written about negotiations in China and emerging markets and climate change. Um, You're uh, an advisor, you advise numerous bodies including the OECD, G20 Saudi, um, the China Carbon Forum, the UK Parliament, um, the Chartered Management Institute UK, and also, and obviously, you've been associated with a number of leading universities, Cambridge, uh, Imperial College, universities in Hong Kong, and many more things. I could talk for about five minutes, but it's just wonderful to have you here. And um, you have such wisdom. And, and I always enjoy our conversation. So welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Simon. That's very kind of you. That's a very kind introduction. <laughs> I've been lucky in my life. And uh, it is very glad that... Uh, we have all these achievements, but I'm very glad to share all this yes. with you and your audience.
0: That's great. So maybe to start off with, if you can share for five, three to five minutes a little bit of background about you, your life, your career, and how you got to achieve all these things.
1: Sure, glad to do that. I'm, uh, I was born in Hong Kong, and I, was, I did my primary and secondary education in Hong Kong. Then I attended university in London, the University College first, and then Imperial College London, both of which I'm still very much uh, involved yes. with and, and been honored to be invited to join the advisory board. Then after that, I was recruited by one of the largest uh, energy company in the world uh, as an engineer, and I start from the bottom yeah, and work my way up. In these sort of thirty years I've been with that company, I I had a lot of opportunities, and uh, I was glad in the end to be invited to be the uh, corporate strategy and planning director for Greater China area, yes. and uh, and we we doubled our investment in China over that period of time to to make it grow into a multi billion portfolio. Yes, and also we were very glad I was. At, Very glad that we were successful. Successfully developed the largest sino foreign uh, joint venture project at that time, which was uh, valued over five billion dollars and employing over 2,000 staff. It's been very successful. Uh, Then I was headhunted to uh, be a director of one of the largest uh, company in the Middle East and uh, i work with the ceo and the board and the chairman uh, on developing our new strategy for for asia and also developing some of the largest uh, new projects and and mega deals in asia with various of the uh, leading company in asia leading family in asia yeah yeah i've now started my my own company And uh, basically, I think uh, I spend my time 30% of a third, a third and a third, a third of which I'm advising some of the uh, leading companies and uh, institutions in the world. A good example is my work with the G20, B20 task force, where we're developing policy advice and paper to the global leaders and the business CEOs a second area which i'm very passionate about is really education and developing and mentoring future uh, leaders yes. uh, a good example of that is is my work with uh, imperial college business school where i where i lecture every year
0: yes. to to the very bright and some of the best students in the world and i've been to one and of your lectures i've seen you in action in one of your lectures
1: <laughs> i remember that yeah, yeah that's really great and and that that was a fantastic experience for me yes. and for the students as well yes uh, my last area is really some area which i'm very also devoting a lot of time very passionate about is really giving back to society yes. i've been lucky in my corporate life so i decided to devote a third of my my time in future giving back on a completely free basis to society yes. and it could include Participating like on youth leadership programs. Yeah. One excellent one I did was meeting leaders, meeting leaders, which is really old leaders like me or mature leaders like me, perhaps the right word, meeting the <laughs> youth leaders of the future. Yes. And that's been a tremendous experience and dialogue. Yes. So, this is very important also during COVID, I found very yeah. important to keep energized and keep learning. Yes. So and have it, a structured way.
0: Yeah. So you have a so your career is it's like a rich tapestry of diff, it's a mosaic of different elements, which 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 resonates with me because you know I, I I you know I don't have the accolades that you have, but I kind of divide my career into you know I do coaching and mentoring, I do training and advisory. So I do advisory and consulting. I do training, um, and 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 I'm just starting to move into doing. Um, Things like these podcasts, which um, you know, for me, my intent for, is to give back. So the reason I started these podcasts were, was that you know, there are all these thought leaders out in the world, like yourself and all the other people I've spoken to, and yet there are so many people who are disenfranchised, either financially or um, psychologically, or they just lack the confidence to listen to people like you. And so my, my passion, my vision is to connect as much as I can and provide this material to as many as possible. and um, and I love it because it takes you out of yourself so I think I, I see you do the same and you, you always seem very joyful Henry because you're doing the knowledgeable stuff and the, and the advisory but also you're giving back so maybe I'm intrigued about what's behind you the books behind you um, maybe if you could just share with the audience a little bit about the sort of books you you've written and there's a whole mixture I know you've written about negotiations in China and climate change what have you written about and, and why those different subjects and what next? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it is
1: actually writing books is part of my overall key mission to give away all my knowledge before I die. <laughs> yeah, I realize I've been lucky in my corporate life with being involved in major deals, key yeah. negotiations, working in some of the very strategically important uh, regions of the world. So the the books are very much along those themes and are drawing on the actual experience and mega deals that I've done and key negotiations that I've done around the world. So my first book was on China. I remember I was giving a speech about China in one of the major conferences in the world. And then the publisher of one of the largest publishers in the world came to me after the conference and invited me to write a book uh, based on my experience. And I was a bit reluctant. We talk about it. We discuss what we're going to do and things like that. And we agree it's a good opportunity to help students and also other people, uh, academics and other professionals who are into the... In going into this very interesting area, yeah. because I remember my own experience when I first started in China 20 years ago, trying to negotiate and develop new strategies. There was absolutely very little references and very yeah. little experience to draw on. And it would be wonderful to find someone who is prepared to share his experience with no agenda yes. and on a, on a trustworthy, independent basis. Yes. And that's the basis of all my books. So after that, when I was director of the largest, one of the largest Middle East companies, I wrote about the energy market in the emerging economy, which cover Asia, Middle East, and other areas. Yes. And then after that, somebody said, well, you know, negotiation is really, really very important, my publishers said. and uh, they encouraged me. And I, at that time, I was also lucky that my paper on negotiation was nominated by the Charter Management Institute to be one of yeah. the top five management paper of the year. Yeah. So after the prize giving, they decided, my publisher asked me if I'd be interested to write a book about it or the negotiation with the cases. Again, yeah. I wrote that book and it's really to, to, to share experience. And it's amazing how it's been, how been cited all over the world. I just received a negotiation paper from yeah. the Central Asia countries yeah. on wow. on 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 their negotiations approaches, wow. but citing some of the things I've I've written about. Yes. And then after this, I got started to be involved in climate change. I was invited to join uh, the Imperial College Grantham Institute's yes. climate change stakeholder committee and working with some of the really brightest people. In the the UK and in the world, working on climate change in this area. And this is a very, very important area. And that's why I wrote my my fourth book on climate change and clean energy. And then, of course, one of the very important areas in climate change uh, and the net zero pathways going forward is the energy transition and the growth of the clean energy area. And that's my fifth book which is right. uh, just been published on yeah. the renewable growth in the emerging economies so yeah. this is a very exciting journey it mirrors what i'm doing closely yeah. it's yeah. basically part of my key theme of sharing all my knowledge before i die yeah. and uh, it is a way that i share my my knowledge my right drawing on international high level cases, business cases that I've been working with, which yes. is not available really for students and for others elsewhere. Yes,
0: well that's fascinating. Is there, I, I, I wasn't gonna ask you this, but is, is which one of those five books did you enjoy most researching and writing? Was there one that you ah, enjoyed most?
1: <laughs> actually, I enjoy all of them and I'm <laughs> starting to plan ahead for my new sixth book, on the climate change net zero pathway, wow. this is because you know I've been invited to work on some of the uh, climate change committees, and also in my work with the G twenty, B twenty, I realized yeah. how important it is to yeah. look forward and to build back better after yeah. post COVID. Yes. And therefore, the the net zero pathways going forward and how the world can can achieve net zero by 2050 and reduce temperature rise and global warming is tremendously important. Yes. And we've been talking a lot of about this with global leaders and E20 uh, business leaders, CEOs around the world. Yeah. And that's a lot of reports, technical reports, specialist papers. But people have been saying there isn't really a general book that covers all these specific areas it'd be great if you can write such a book that covers what are what why is climate change important and why do we have to do net zero why we why this important and secondly what can we do in the different key areas like renewable clean transportation mobility smart city very important very green agriculture not many people talk about it now but it is actually becoming extremely important particularly as some of the natural climate change solutions yes yeah and climate finance i've been when we met together i was working with the city green finance teams and things like that in the city of london i think it has grown tremendously and it is a very very exciting area and digital transformation what we're talking now you know yes and things like that are, it's going to be immensely important to the realization of net zero yeah. pathways
0: it's amazing it's amazing you're involved in so many things and and that kind of brings me on to the next question and and i'm thinking about something else is that you know this year is probably the first year in history that all seven billion people on this planet will not forget this year not for good reasons nobody will forget 2020 it's been I call it a circuit breaker year. I mean, I don't think the world is gonna go back ever to exactly where it was before 2020. I think it's changed. And so how do you think this will impact leadership? How do you think this will impact um, the way we communicate online? How do you see things changing or accelerating as a result of this year?
1: I think uh, this will have positive uh impacts on the on leadership on corporate life and how we work together yeah i mean uh i think we've talked a lot before about uh before COVID, about working remotely meeting virtually and things like that and many people have said that's impossible you know we have to meet face to face and talk about things yeah and I think one of the th- first things I learned through this is really how COVID is—we all locked down in our home, in our home office. So yes. I think it is very important to improve communication. Definitely. I read one of the new one of the Fortune 500 CEO I was talking with, and she was yes. also saying, you know, part of her job, she realized how important it is. Part of her job is to communicate with all her staff who are working dispersely in thousands of homes around the world, hundreds of homes. I mean, they all have their worries, they all have their concerns, but they all are keen to to work and continue to support the organization and do their best. So I think it is very important. Communication is an important area. The other area is trust. And a lot yeah. of people have said, you know, a lot of CEOs, can I trust that my staff are actually working at home? Can mm. I put in spywares in their smartphones or computer to see whether mm. they are actually sitting in front of the computer? And yeah. my advice and my coaching with them is trust, trust your staff. Yes. The important thing is to for you to communicate well and show clearly what you want to achieve. What is the mm. mission that you have? for the organization and it cannot be business as usual it has to be something new and you have to energize your staff by putting forward a vision in which you're building back the organization because many experts have warned that this COVID is only is not a temporary but actually a warning of much serious things to come exactly you know if we fast forward to the end of the century yeah. You know, if we do nothing, go back as normal, we end up with bad health, poor planet, pollution yeah. everywhere. Just yeah. imagine the sort yeah. of disparity, the, the, thought, the sort of pandemic that we will yeah. have in the end of the century will be much worse than what I, we are experiencing now. I, so I think these have changed things forever and hopefully for the better.
0: I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I wrote an article recently for Irish Tech News about the convergence of um, the, the fact that humans are, are social creatures and we've always interacted face-to-face. And we've also invented technology face-to-face. We've invented in factories, right, face-to-face, ironically. And yet technology is the opposite of that. It forces us not to be face-to-face, but also it allows us to be, funny enough, directly looking at us you know so there is some, there is a kind of a confluence so you know in a funny way i'm sitting here looking at you directly henry right and very directly and there's no distractions there's no social distractions and in some respects I'd, it'd be interesting to see and maybe this is a future book to what extent is technology actually improving social interaction is it act is it actually underpinning trust is it actually doing those things positively? I, I spoke to um, Ted Rubin, who's the CMO of Fortify a couple of months ago. I think it was him. And he said, in a funny way, particularly for youngsters, it's easier for them to trust online than face to face. I don't know whether that's true, but I'll be fascinated to see a book one day as to the, imp- to what extent is this period going to really improve a completely change well, or kind of, Morph that traditional social context um, methodology of communication to being more online, but, but, but being comparatively, comparatively successful in doing that. It'd be very interesting to see how this is going to change those social dynamics. Do, do you agree? Do you think that? I, I'm an optimist like you. I, I think there are real positives coming out of this.
1: No, I think you'll make a very important point. I've been thinking about this because actually the COVID really forces you. To stay home and also makes, gives me time to reflect and think about this. Yes, I think one very important paper I read before about technology innovation uh, is was really about the growth of multitasking. Yes. You know, before COVID, multitasking was the key word. You know, when we go to meetings, board meetings, you know. Everybody's there for a few hours or or lectures and things like that, but everybody is multitasking, you know, on their Mm -hmm. iPhone, they are maybe listening to the speeches, maybe listening and contributing when they can, but other times they are working on this. But I totally agree with you. Technology also has enabled us, during COVID, this Zoom, for example. We are totally focused. I turn off my phones, everything. There's no disturbance. I've asked people, don't disturb me for this hour or so that I'm talking with Simon. And this is, we've been able to achieve something that was not possible last year. (laughs) You you and I not being disturbed for an hour would know. be quite impossible, You one would have said, but it I is agree. possible. And I, I would really treasure this because yes. this allowed yes. me to be focused. And I found that when I'm focused then my productivity goes up, particularly yes. in planning my new book, researching yes. and what are the key messages, and then thinking about what other CEOs and other global leaders said to me, what yes. they are really interested in and then translating that. Because yes. the, the the thought process is, is it's an algorithm, you know, you have to to absorb, then you have to digest internally. Yes. And over time the subconscious mind manifests to manage it and filters it and comes up with something wonderful. Yes. I mean it is like cooking, you know, you, yes. you never know what the result is. No, I agree. The all the ingredients there, but you have to make it work. Yeah. And and you know, COVID covert has allowed that to happen. And you know we should not forget about all this
0: afterwards i I 100% agree um so what's what's next for you henry in the next year or two i mean what major projects are you involved with what what if you're not already involved with what would you like to be involved with going forward in the next year or two yeah
1: okay okay let's tell me first what i'm going to be involved what are the firm plans and then secondly what are the less other aspirational things. So first of all, things we plan in place going forward is really important. I've been working with the B20, uh, G20 task force mm-hmm. for the last 10 months, and we'll be working remotely, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, with all the experts and the business CEOs and, and uh, global leaders so that we can produce prepare The policy papers and recommendations for the global leaders for the G20 task force in the uh, plan for the G20 uh, leaders meeting either virtually or physically in November of this year. So that's going to be a very important period of time. And after that, we've also discussed with the leaders that we don't want to stop there. We want to very importantly... The 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 recommendations and the proposed policy papers have put got into a lot of work by hundreds of experts around the world. So we want to go into a phase of efficacy and sharing these with important stakeholders around the world. And uh, that that's going to be extremely encouraging. I think important to broadcast a message so it doesn't just stay up lock up. as pieces of paper in someone's filing cabinet we want to make it live particularly with the things that is uh, other things which is going on like the cop 26 which is delayed by one year into november of next year but then let's give us time there are good linkages between what we're going to be do what we have been doing on climate change sustainability yeah. on climate robustness with what they're going to talk about next year in COP26. Yeah. So actually it is a blessing in disguise. <laughs> and the other thing I'm planning is also to start uh, my my new book on climate change, Net Zero Pathways, which yeah. hopefully with the 12 months delayed of the COP and others, will uh, enable it to be sort of published uh, around that time frame, which will yes. help to contribute to the international discussions and argument and understanding yes. of why we have to, uh, why climate change is so devastating for the world and why we have to work together to find solution to build back better and yeah. to have the new net zero pathways to achieve, uh, to reduce global warming and to return the world to to a more, better place
0: yes wow such worthy areas of of work and um, i'm just wondering if you were going to go back as you are today and whisper in the ear of a 20 year old henry and 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 two or three words of wisdom or advice to set the young henry up for success in this world what would what would you whisper to yourself
1: I, that's a very important question. And it's absolutely an area I really enjoy interacting with the youth and future leaders. Yes. And uh, I can give a real example. You know, when we, when I was invited to, to to lecture to the Imperial College uh, MBA students and master's students in climate, you know, they're really good, really enthusiastic. And the advice I, I gave to them is really to think about, you know, you are really... In a wonderful place, you know, you got your life in front of you, and there's several things I would advise them to do. First of all, do something that you are passionate about. You know, money is not the is a a means to an end; is not the target. Yes, you got to think something what you want to do, how you want to improve the world.
0: Yes.
1: Secondly. Is to change your mindset about the conventional career, corporate career direction. Yes. There's no longer one career. You and I are a good example. Of that. <laughs> I actually teaches and mentor them on a portfolio career approach. Yes. Manage a portfolio of careers. Correct, correct. They could be working, they could be studying, but at the same time, they could be thinking about starting up their green fund exactly which some of them have actually done they yeah. taken my advice and yeah. they are starting up some green funds yeah. with some fantastic ideas like reducing plastic waste or sustainable construction using sustainable timber yeah. i mean these are re- you know when they fed back to me these are the sort of projects that they've done and they're going to implement and follow through i yeah. can feel the passion and yeah. i can feel that they are really trying to do something meaningful with their life yeah. and i think those are the key advice, you know, yeah. so hopefully by the time when they leave the world, we have all to leave, you know, that is one of the truth that yes. they will leave the world a better
0: place. Wow, that's so that's so powerful. And you're so right. I mean, we're given a limited period in this world in this form anyway, and we're meant to enjoy ourselves. We're meant to have fun we're really meant to learn and stretch our minds and grasp all the amazing opportunities for learning out there and we discussed beforehand there's not enough time to learn all these things but but you know i think there's still enough time to have real a real good go at it so um it's been wonderful talking to you, Henry. I could talk forever, you know, with, with you. It's, uh, and we're going to talk again in, in a while about maybe another initiative we could, we could work on together. But um, it's been wonderful. How do people find out more about your work and connect with you?
1: Well, they, they can uh, contact me via social media, LinkedIn uh, or Facebook. Or they can, uh, they can contact me through my publisher, Rutledge, my, mm-hmm. my author website. Or my author website on Amazon.
0: Perfect, perfect. With that, it's been a real pleasure and take care, Henry. And I'll talk to you again soon. And thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much, Simon. I really enjoyed this. And me too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.